Oh, you mean was the play as in like that's the right move to do? So, oh, I yeah, thought so- you meant like. <laughs> I thought you meant like was Bryony's play, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Wait, was that a question? It's <laughs> like, are okay. Welcome to Redvine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Ella Kopakin to talk about the 2001 book, Atonement, by Ian McEwan. We decided on Atonement because I wanted everyone to pick out their favorite love story, and this happened to be Ella's, though she has watched the movie with Kira Knightley many, many, many times. She has never actually read the book, so here was the perfect opportunity to do so. We did sit down to record this, and when she learned that I had yet watched the movie, she said, absolutely not, we need to watch the movie. So we decided to um, stop the recording right then and there, as you will hear later on in this episode, and we decided to pick it back up to talk about both the book and the movie because they go so well together. So stay tuned for a very fun conversation about atonement, both the book and the movie. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. Uh, That was pretty much it. I was just going to say I still have yet to see the movie. So um, I was really hoping I would see it before we started this, but... um, as per usual, I was running a little bit behind, and so I didn't have time to watch the movie. Oh, I almost feel like we should stop recording, because I don't Do we think... wanna? We can come back to it. I mean, this is up to you. We already we already have started on a really bad note, so... <laughs> but if you kind of have to see this movie before we have this conversation, because the movie is so a part of it, like... Okay. 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 I think we have to stop, Jenna. I'm sorry. One eternity later. Guys, we're back. We're back. Take two. (laughs) After a week long hiatus and Jenna finally listening to me, we did it. We're back on the Atonement Pod. We did, and Ella was not wrong. It was much needed. Um, The movie was much needed. Yeah, okay, thank you, correct. And so why why do you think the movie was much needed? Because I know why I think it is, but why do you think it is? Okay, so we stopped recording last time, and I was thoroughly confused on the ending, um, as we discussed. Uh, and I did go back and reread it with the context that you had given me, and it made a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, I think I just... Sorry, I can hear myself echoing just slightly. Oh, really? Yeah. Here, I'll just turn you down. Is that better? Uh, testing, testing, one, two, yeah. That's okay. better. It was just like the slightest little reverb, and then I could... <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> um, you can, like, turn me back up if needed, if you can't hear, but... Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. That mic, your mic gets a lot of volume, so no stress. I don't think it's the mic. I think it's me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, okay, so I am just, I think I was speeding through the ending because I was like, I need to get this read. I'm like, I, I, it was, it was an enjoyable read for me, but it was also kind of a lengthy kind of read for me. I don't know why. 
I think this genre is really hard for me. Kind of like the tragic, uh, like, I don't know, like wartime type feel. But then again, I like really liked Nightingale. So it may not be that. It may just be him. Um, I did enjoy the book, but I think. Oh, sorry. You oh, frozen. no. Yeah, you're back uh, now. Okay. You were, like, frozen like this, and I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. She's upset. Uh, She's upset. But I think what the movie did so well was pick up on the nuisances, like, the nuance between each character and their relationship and, like, just, like, the side eyes and, like, the clinching of the fist and the, like... I don't know, just, like, the subtleties that the body language of each character toward one another that I think the book didn't quite pick up. And so in the book, what I felt was I wasn't super connected to uh, Cecilia and... Apologies, it's been a long day. Uh, Bryony? Not Bryony. Uh, Robbie? The guy. Robbie, thank you. Um, between Cecilia and Robbie, like, their relationship, I was like it's kind of falling flat for me in the book Mm -hmm. but when you watch the movie just like the scene when they break the vase and then she takes the like piece from his hand and he just clenches it I was like my goodness I I don't know I just think like seeing this it almost feels like uh like Bryony's play and how it's kind of very meta it's like the play inside the book and then there's like the book inside the play inside the movie (laughs) like all of it just like it's a lot is there I think I think the book is almost written as such like a screenplay (laughs) in such a weird way that I think it like translated so well to the movie that you just get you just get like more depth to the characters uh I do think though that reading the book before watching the movie I think was the play how do you mean like as in as in i knew uh like these movies at least for me okay these oh uh, you mean was the play as in like that's the right move to do i thought you meant like (laughs) i thought you meant like was briny's play and i was like what are you talking about was that a question (laughs) it's like are okay No, I I agree. I mean, that's the thing is like, I really wish that I had gotten to have that experience because I didn't even know it was a book when I first watched the movie. And like, now having read the book, I think it's, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's one of the best adaptations I've ever seen. Like, I did not realize going into this book that I had already technically read it because the book is like the movie adheres so closely to it. Um, which is just really hard to do, but I think you're so right in that, like, to me, the movie makes a little more sense because the book is really good, but you can't, there's only so much you can do if you can't visually convey something, and this is a story that relies so much on emotion and subtext that the kind of, like, helping hand of the movie and getting to see everybody's expressions and how they're saying something as opposed to just seeing the dialogue on a page is so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I also think it helps with like the cut, the cut scenes. So it's like Bryony watches something. Right. And then it cuts to like Cecilia's experience with it. And then it cuts to like the army scenes and then it cuts back to Cecilia and back to Bryony. And I think like 
the way they did that cinematically really helped as well. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, it's a really unusually written book for that reason. Like, you, it's very rare and it's very difficult to have multiple perspectives on the same incident, especially in a book. So, like, having that visual aid to see, oh, this is whose timeline we're in now is also just really like you kind of need it for to fully understand because even especially at the end which like we say spoiler alert but huge gigantic spoiler alert that it's basically all briny's the narration essentially yeah and you know that she's an unreliable narrator to begin with so having it be so choppy makes way more sense when you can see that and then also like the i feel like the briny reveal is much clearer in the movie than it is in the book, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the book, it literally happens in, like you said, like, the last two pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if you're kind of just... I don't know. I don't know if you read kind of like this, but sometimes I'll be, like, reading a book, and then once I get to the end, it's kind of like I get into, like, skim mode because I'm like, mm-hmm. I just, just want, like, end. And then I think you miss it if you're like me and then um, was, like, skimming the last chapter. But I do think, like, reading the book coming into the movie, um, it helped almost, like, uh, anchor yourself in the different timelines as well. So I think, like, that helped me as well, where I, you know, I was like, okay, Bryony's going to watch this, and then it's going to flip to Celia's point of view, and then it's going to flip to this. And so I did think, like, that helped me as well. Um, yeah but I think Casey was like wait what <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no for sure I mean that's the thing is like when I was reading the book because I knew the reveal was coming I was like when are they gonna do this I'm three pages away from ending it and then the fact that it was literally like the last page the last two pages I was like oh my god you're really expecting your audience to be very honed in because I would do the same thing if I didn't know that was coming I would have tuned it out so like so long ago because also I mean I agree with you like I don't know why this book struck me so much because I am not normally a a war story person and I'm not really an old-fashioned romance person most of the time so there is no explanation for why this story would fascinate me other than the fact that it's just like really well written and then really well made as a film um and I just think that like it's also so perfectly cast like the fact Mm. that Robbie in the book is very like uh large and brutish kind of but they went the opposite way with James McAvoy in the film. It's a really good choice. He's great in it. And Keira Knightley is just so good as Cecilia. You kind of don't... And the same goes for Saoirse Ronan with Bryony. Like, everyone plays their role so well. Including Benedict Cumberbatch as creepy chocolate man. But um, I know. But shifting towards the actual book, like... I don't know. I just find this story... It's not a world that I know anything about and other than like watching Downton Abbey, which I'm sure it's the same for you. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> so then having access to that world alone is fascinating, but he, these characters feel so real in how yes. they process and in their actions. And I think that's the thing is usually to me, romance is so inaccessible because there are no mistakes or if there are mistakes they feel very calculated and I just often end up feeling like I know what's gonna happen or they just feel 
like characters that have already been played out mm. but Robbie and Cecilia's story is so unusual in how it's executed and how they develop feelings for each other so quickly and then also just what they have to cling to in order for their their own survival let alone the survival of their relationship like you know even down to even though it's kind of vulgar and like sassy but like or spicy but that (laughs) the letter that it all begins with it's like you could see that happening you could see someone getting you know horny and carried away and then he just makes one fuck up and it's it's like sending the wrong text he took the wrong letter like that's that's even pretty real oh yeah like the romance is a huge portion of it and it is like what it centers around but personally i'm like the Cecilia Robbie relationship was hard to connect with right off the bat, just because, like you said, it started off so hot, and like we don't really get a lot of their backstory. Mm-hmm. In the, like we don't get like the lead up to this, and you don't get it in the book either. It's just very much like a immediate at the fountain, and then immediately they're like having sex, which is yeah. fine. I don't care. It's great, <laughs> um, and I think like the movie does a better job at like establishing that instant connection um Mm -hmm. for the viewer than the book did which i really appreciated Mm -hmm. because i did root for them more as a couple in the movie than i did in the book which is bad but um but what i really enjoyed was like the briony like the third party watching this relationship through the eyes of like an innocent child and being like oh my god like he's attacking yeah. her. Like he's writing these terrible things to her, and he and she. It's like before puberty, so she has no idea like what these feelings are and what this thing is. It's like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> what the well, hell is happening? That's a really interesting divergence. I thought between the book and the movie because I feel like in the book or in the movie, she Briny's almost like villainized a little bit more. Like even though she's so young. Saoirse Ronan plays her and the movie sort of frames her as having a crush on Robbie and kind of knowing what she's doing. And I think that the book makes it a little bit more that she has an attachment to her sister and that she is very oblivious because she is so young. I I don't think that necessarily one or the other is better. I do think that with her having a little bit more motive, like with romantic feelings towards Robbie, her refusal to tell the truth makes a little bit more sense over time um but either way I mean what a brilliant turn on a romance story too because yeah when it's being told through the eyes of a 12 year old who especially they frame her as a very young 12 and sort of being very sheltered in this very privileged rich wealthy English lifestyle it's like yeah to her the concept of passion or sex or love or anything is so is at that stage just so platonic ultimately and and if it is romantic it's very it's very playful and sort of light so having that be your sexual awakening and then using that those feelings to like instead of instead of examining them repressing them and ultimately turning them against somebody else to the detriment of that person's life it's like this small choice becomes it just snowballs and eventually ends up killing two people essentially yeah and you get a lot more of that in the book too where the like the doubt and the 
you know, I'm not 100% sure, but, like, every sign is pointing to Robbie. And, like, when, yeah. when she asked Lola, like, it, it wasn't him, and she kind of pauses. Um, and then she's like, was it Robbie? <laughs> and, like, kind of, yeah. like, feeds her the answer. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And then, um, but I, I don't know. It felt so, like, connected to Bryony in that point, because I'm like, I think I've, like, I have felt that before, where I'm, like, remembering something and then in my back of my head I'm like I don't think that was right (laughs) well of course yeah I mean because in her mind you see someone do what you think is aggression and I mean really they were just having consensual sex but in your mind he's attacking your sister so of course later when you find Lola in the same position essentially who who else would her mind as a you know 12 year old girl who like has no outside experience go to so i think that the the really intelligent decision that he makes as an author because you do side i i think that you can have some compassion for her initially in that moment but then having her never falter purely out of her stubbornness and refusal to be wrong and having that just be this like consistency because she just can't accept that she, that she would have done something like that that's the brilliant turn because then all of a sudden you find yourself really turning on her or at least I did because it's you know she's with every day that she doesn't say something she's destroying this person's life and ultimately yeah. destroying her sister's life who she was trying to save in the first place by even saying that Robbie was the one who did it but I think what Ian uh, McEwen, is that yeah. um, I think what he does so well as a writer um, that I found was, like you're saying, we we initially see the sex scene through Bryony's eyes, and so at first you're like, oh my god, like Robbie is attack, like is attacking her, and like this is bad, this is really bad. Um, at least like when I fr- initially read it, because I didn't see the movie, so yeah, um, I was like, this is really bad, and then. It's like rewind, look through it, Cecilia's eyes, and then I'm like, oh fuck, no. <laughs> and, and like he does such a good job at like jumping between the narratives, and it is told from like a third person, right? Third person point of view. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I'm like, it's it, it. This is what I'm having trouble remembering because it, he does a such a good job of like distinguishing the voices. Yeah, and for distinguishing sure. the characters, and I think that also helps you know, separate which narrative you're reading and helps you kind of ground yourself in where you are in the story, which I think Mm -hmm. lends itself really well to the movie because they were able to kind of, like, pick up on Cecilia's kind of, like, you know, like, fuck that, fuck you guys, and, like, kind of, like, attitude and, like, whatever. And then uh, pick up on, like, Bryony's, like, hyper-awareness, like, very, like, agitated state, like, where she's just kind of always, like, like almost anxious she makes me very anxious well and i mean doesn't it now that you've seen the movie doesn't it make more sense now that it won the uh, the oscar for best score because like the the music is so typewriter yeah (laughs) i I know it's so (laughs) stress inducing (laughs) the typewriter just got me every time i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god Because I well, knew, that, like, I knew what he was going to write, and I knew he was going to put that letter in, and, and then it just kept going, like, cunt, cunt. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I have to say, I actually think 
the part of the book that lost me was Robbie at War. And it's yes. sort of the it's it's the part of the the movie that loses me too. I will say that that shot in the movie of on the beach. all the on the beach is like oh. insane and there has never been another shot like it in a movie and I can't believe that it got done. I don't know. I think that the book works best in the first third and in the last third. I yes. think that when Cecilia and Robbie are apart, and I'm sure this is deliberate, when Cecilia and Robbie aren't in the same area, it's not as good. It's just yeah. not. Like, they they need to be together in order for the book to feel lived in and breathing and, and you for you to have that passion and that pace. And obviously it's, you know, it's heartbreaking what Robbie goes through and what Cecilia goes through, but I think that they're just, it, it becomes too much about the situation of yes. the war. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's my one complaint. Yes. Agreed. And I think honestly that lends itself, like that plays into how I viewed them as a couple. Like I couldn't mm. get connected to them as a couple because we barely got any of scenes with them. The ones that we got were super powerful. Yeah. And, like really good. And so like you do enough that you are rooting for them that you are like they you know are meant to be together they're star-crossed lovers they're meant to be together but you like you said it takes you out of it a little bit where you're like okay well now there's going to be you know a uh, 100 pages of him at war at her at war there's going to be you know 45 you know 30 minutes 45 minutes of them at war <laughs> like being yeah. apart um, I think, like, the scene of them meeting in the restaurant is really oh, powerful so good. and, like, heartbreaking. And, oh, my God, I was tearing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But, again, they were together. <laughs> yeah. So, so I agree. I think I got, like, I got pulled out in the book especially. I got really confused, honestly, in the book, um, like, going back and forth. And then at first I thought when it went back to Bryony that we were still in Cecilia. And then I was like, oh, nope, we're in Bryony's world now. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, I, I mean, listen, the man can write a sex scene. Like, what do, you, what do you want me to say? Like, as far as sex scenes go, one of the hottest in film and one of the hottest in literature. Like, you really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You know what it was funny? It was, I was like, this feels... This is gonna be such a such a detour. It felt like I was watching uh, the bomb scene from Oppenheimer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because it was silent. Like, mm. like there's no music. There's nothing. It's just them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and it creates this tension that you don't know you're holding. And then afterward, you're like sweating, and you're like, why was I sweating? <laughs> yeah. No, it does. Like, it's so good. Like, it's it's brilliant. But I was, like, waiting. You And also, I knew Brian, he was going to walk in and whatever. But, like, it's this tension. And it's just this, like, it's just them. And there's no music. There's no dramatization. It's just real. And yeah. I, yeah. Perfection. Well, I think that that's the thing is, like, again, it's not nothing in this book is out of the realm of reach like yes it's in a different time we all know what it is to feel in over our head we all know what it is to get wrapped up in a crush you know we all know what it is to be so passionately involved with somebody like you know it's just like all of it is so within the realm of reality and because of that it just makes it 
so much harder, but I think like that's the thing is he had to, he had such a hard task, which was how do I write two scenes or three scenes with these two people that will make you invested in them for the entire book, which they are not in for a lot of together. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he does it well for the most part. Um, like, I don't know. It, it, and I think like the war, World War II of it all also helps mm-hmm. um, like push along the story, I think, because it's you know, with him being at Dunkirk and, like, you kind of know how Dunkirk ends. And you're like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oof, rough. Uh, and, you know, like, the bombings in London and it's like, yeah. mm, well, that's not going to end well either. <laughs> um, so, like, I think, like, that helps um, push along the story and make it not so that, like, you're so, like, thrown off um, mm-hmm. when they go into their separate lives. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's magical how invested he makes you feel with two scenes. Yeah. It's 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 insane. (laughs) It's insane. I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I, you know, I think that's why it's stuck with me for all these years. I think that's why I keep going back to the movie. I think that's why I wanted to read the book. Even, it's been in the back of my mind to read this book for so long. It's like, he just really gets there. And I think... Also, just the visceral self-hatred of Bryony and that compared with, like, the pure love of Robbie and Cecilia, it's just, like, it's the two basic sides of humanity and you find yourself from one page being reminded of, like, the worst things you've ever done and then on the next page just being wrapped up in how beautiful human life can be and... You know, it's yeah. just it, you, you have such whiplash the whole time, but you're you're fine to have it and experience it because it's just so beautifully written. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I I mean, I don't know anything else about the man, but Ian McEwen wrote the hell out of this story. <laughs> I was going to say, I will say the one-two punch, I highly recommend. I highly recommend reading it. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I highly recommend reading it and then watching the movie. I think it made it, like made the whole experience like ella said like we literally couldn't sit down to record this until i watched the movie and i i i understand like it it needs they need each other so if you're gonna read the book and you haven't watched the movie i'd read it and then watch the movie and then you'll highly enjoy every experience real question do you think that briny has atoned do you think that she is forgiven no. No. Okay. I don't. I don't. I think I think the fact that she never like fessed up, she never had that conversation, like she sent a letter and it just went into the abyss, like I I don't know. I think um I think the real atonement is like going, putting yourself and like sacrificing yourself on this like almost, you know, platter if you will, like in front of your sister in front of the man that you wronged and they're probably not going to forgive you let's be real like you ruined a lot of years of their life that they could have had together but like you own up to your shit and if you write a story after they're both dead i don't think that's doing that yeah i that agree might be harsh i don't know but no i agree with you and i just i mean it's interesting because i just 
wonder whether most people are like us and they walk away going, okay, well, is it enough to write a best-selling book and continue to get the credit even though it's for your wrongdoing? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is Bryony, I think, is a really interesting character because even when she's young, she's so clearly a narcissist. Like, everything is so driven by her her being right and her perspective being the only one that could possibly exist and I think I just kept getting so mad at her because even the phase where she's a nurse it feels so like look at me look at what I'm doing like there's just never it feels like her atonement is prevented by her inability to experience remorse Yes. Well, even you think of the, even the scene of her going to Lola's wedding and the like priest saying, like, if you want, stand up, if you have any objection, whatever, to this marriage. And she's like, I'm going to do it. And then she never does. Yeah. And it's like she talks this big game of wanting to like right her wrongs. And each time that she's faced with the opportunity to, she doesn't because of, you know, fear of rejection, fear of, you know, getting punished and if like she comes out and says like everything I said was wrong that's huge like that's a big part of your life yeah like your family and all your relationships and it's all based on this one thing so if you come out and say that that was wrong everything else comes down with it in your head like in her head is what she's thinking so I don't know I just think like she had many an opportunity to do it and she never did Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is just time and time again, she's too chicken shit. And it's Mm -hmm. like, she allows her fear of rejection or fear of whatever to be an excuse for her never doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then when she finally does do the right thing, which is confess, she just does it in her own way and makes her, and and in a way that, (laughs) that, well, she makes money off of it, but more importantly, in a way that is making her seem redeemable. You know, she gets to write her own narrative, ultimately, and Robbie and Cecilia don't get a say in that. Lola doesn't get a say in that. You know, I mean, thank God Paul Marshall doesn't get a say in that. You know, may he rot in hell, but, like, the people who she affected directly are still under her or pers- are still coming from her perspective. They don't get any autonomy. I think especially in the movie, like Bryony is much more unlikable than she is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's much more villainized, but I almost think it like it works both ways to kind of have that sympathy for her, but also like be like, girl, you messed up a big time. (laughs) You really messed up, dude. You messed Mm -hmm. the hell up. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it's, um, it's very interesting. I think that it's a, a feeling that is not often addressed in popular media, which is how many people actually own up to their mistakes and how many people are just sitting there living with them because, they don't want to be because of the fear of being seen as a bad person and it's just an it's an interesting analysis from the whole briny of it all is just all she needed to do to be redeemable was to fess up and it she she was so plagued by the fear that 
she wouldn't be even after she did tell the truth that she just didn't well let's get into final parrot or final uh rating shall we let's do it so originally i was gonna give it a 3.5 okay because i was like it was fine for me i got lost in the war scenes like you said i kind of got like taken out of the story didn't really care about the ending as much which lend itself to me uh messing that up horribly but i will say after watching the movie bumping that up to a four like i i think it makes everything like came together in such Mm -hmm. a beautiful bow and i think the movie is literally so well made (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i i even texted ella afterward i was like just the cinematography is so good so good like, the shots are so good the score is so good it's so just like good. a visually amazing experience if you haven't already watched it i feel like i'm like the only one like who has not ever seen it but hey a girl at my work said she hasn't seen it either so hey so that girl should watch it <laughs> yeah so i gave it a I, i'll give it a four because i think um the story is so different than what you get in these types of uh kind of era romance novels um it's just so different in the way that you it's told from this third person kind of this third party perspective it's really like i don't know you're given a lot of perspectives and you're given a lot of feelings toward each and every character you're really liking them at one point you're really hating them at one point it's like taking you through this really roller coaster of emotions um the ending crazy i think it's a i think it's the only way to have ended this book <laughs> honestly um to have such an impact that it does um but overall, just, I think it's a, I think for me, it was like a hard-ish read, but not terribly hard. Um, I only think it was hard because it, it uh, it's just not my genre, and that's okay. Um, but I think, uh, I also think I went into it with a prejudice of, like, it being a school book. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like, this is what you read in school, so I think that also hindered me a little bit. But the, um, but watching the movie, I think made it all make sense and made it really click and made everything really good so four out of five for me go read the book go watch the movie yeah agreed i am also gonna give it a four out of five i think that my point docked is just for the war section because it's just not my thing um but i think that the twist is brilliant i think that the love story is brilliant i think that briny is an insane character i think that also we didn't even really talk about it but incorporating the paul marshall of it all and how accepted just sexual abuse and all just harassment was in order for everything to seem okay and seem proper I think that that was an amazing undercurrent in the book and that wasn't that was like a C storyline um I just think that every character was so fleshed out and even people like the mom and the brother who we didn't even mention I felt an attachment towards and an understanding of and I think that he Ian McEwen just really knows human emotion very well and knows how to talk about our flaws in a way that I think very few authors can uh, as well as he does. And so, yeah, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Absolutely. Love it. It's rare that we uh, we align. I know, <laughs> but we aligned. We aligned. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> well, let's get into uh, on-the-spot pairings. This will be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I know what the drink has to be. Take it away. A chalk tail. The chocolate cocktail. <laughs> a chalk tail. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, Paul Marshall's chocolate cocktail. No, I actually think that it should be like a very fancy gin cocktail in a in a crystal baccarat glass it's like it's like a mint i don't even know if gin is in this but like a mint julep or like the bee's knees or something something very like 20s or 30s and super refined yep yeah same (laughs) (laughs) all right agree that or like that or like a really sweet dessert wine because i feel like they always drink like sweet dessert wines uh, yeah fancy places like that Oh, the, we didn't even talk about this, but the scene where they're all eating dinner and they're, like, eating a roast dinner in a really hot room and everybody's, like, dr- only drinking red wine. I was like, ugh, it sucks to be rich in the 40s. <laughs> it's, like, a hot and just eating hot food and no AC. I was like, ugh, Gross. No. <laughs> um, okay, let's go with uh, TV shows. My TV show is this show, it's this short-lived series called The Pursuit of Love. I think it's like three episodes, it stars Lily James, and it's basically about this woman in the 40s being a woman in the 40s, and she's outspoken, and she's in London. But it's interesting because it sort of plays, like... It kind of reminds me of Atonement in that she's sort of just living her own emotional life and in the background of that, World War II is happening. And so how do you have a life and particularly a romantic life and fall in and out of love and be silly and stupid while also being a part of history and in an incredibly dangerous situation and how those two things collide and how they make things harder literally just by preventing life from being able to happen normally and you know so I I actually it was something that I totally watched on a whim in the pandemic I think and I just thought it was really good and no one really talked about it but it's super interesting and fun and I don't even usually like Lily James but I think she's great in this and that's my that's my wreck wow love it (laughs) Um, mine was purely based off of vibes and a twist ending. And so mine was Severance uh, with Adam Scott and Patricia Arquette is in it. Uh, It's it's so good. I mean, it's about a guy, it's about a world where you can go into a job and pretty much have one, like have your memories from the job be wiped when you leave the building, have your memories from your real life be wiped when you enter into your job. And so your work self and your real self are completely separate. Um, And the twist at the ending is like, I won't spoil it, um, but it's just jaw-dropping. You're like, holy fuck. (laughs) And like, uh, I'm still patiently waiting for season two. I don't know. I think it's it's supposed to happen, right? I know, but writer's strike, you never know. Um, That's true. uh, But it's fabulous. It's so good. And Adam Scott is so good in it. Um, and I think you kind of get that same, like, jaw-dropping moment, and the characters are so, like, flushed out in this series as well, um, but purely just, like, based off of vibes while reading it, that was what I thought of. (laughs) Vibes. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, movie. Movie. Okay, um, I would like to address everyone to the latest adaptation of Lady Shatterley's, oh my god, Lady Shatterley's (laughs) Lover. Uh, let's talk about it. Starring Emma Corrin and Jack, what's his name? 
Lady Shatterly's lover. Thank you. Uh, Jack O'Connell. Okay. Everyone, I have not read this book. I've heard it that it's really smutty for the era that it was written in. The movie certainly is. I cannot believe that Netflix got away with this amount of sex scenes in one movie. Uh, but it is really, really good. It's basically about a woman who I believe is in... What era is she in? I think she is in... Oh, God. what? What's the time period? Why is no one saying the time period to me? Hang on. Uh, 19, uh, 20, no wait, that's when it was published. Oh, it was published in the 20s. Uh, who's that? I think it takes place, I, I want to say it takes place in the 20s. If it takes place in the 1910s, sue me, but that's what I think. Okay, so it's like the 1920s or the 1910s, and basically she, uh, she gets married to this guy, and sad or she promises to get married to this guy he goes to war sadly he's injured in the war and paralyzed from the waist down and because of that he gets really depressed and they basically move to his family's estate which is really remote and in the countryside and she has no friends and no one to talk to and he doesn't want to be involved in anything and like doesn't want to have sex or do anything and then there's a real hot groundskeeper and it just goes from there, okay? The groundskeeper <laughs> and Lady Shatterly fall in love and they be they be banging in every corner of that estate and then the husband eventually finds out and it's like this whole thing. Uh, but yeah, it's very like if Atonement had worked out for Robbie and <laughs> Cecilia and they were the only two people living on the property, that's, that's sort of the mentality that I would like to, to think. Um, but yeah, other than that, Emma Corrin's just great in it, and so is Jack O'Connell. Shout out to all my skin season two people, you know <laughs> oh, it. God. Or skin season three. I can't remember what the second generation of skins is, but he's, he's in that. He's cook in that, and he's great in this. So yeah, that's my movie. Ooh, that's a good one. Mine, I'm coming back to the, uh, one shot, uh, beach scene that I was saying. 1917. Yeah. Movie, uh, that's exactly a- what I thought of, too war movie shot one shot um style so it's like a one camera moving through the whole movie and i just remember like being on the edge of my seat that entire movie and not being able to like take my eyes off of it because it's the continuous uh, nature of that shot and it happens in the movie as well you're just drawn in and you're like this is insane. <laughs> yeah. War be crazy. War be intense. Did we know? Yeah. And I mean, like, you're hearing all these, like, things happening outside of the frame. And then you're just, like, wanting the camera to pan so badly. And it's not doing it. And so it's, uh, it's a very stressful movie, but it's also very good. So I recommend That's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. Lastly, books. Books. Okay, call me basic, but <laughs> The Great Gatsby. Ooh. I It's a classic tale of two people in love with each other who can't, for because of societal reasons, cannot be with one another. And I also thought about it especially because of the third-person perspective, because the person telling the story is unrelated to the two people in love and he is also an unreliable narrator and also is feels pretty guilty for one reason or another uh and yeah i think the judgment from the people around in that book and the sort of just like cultural norms that prevent love from happening and 
it, it's very reminiscent. I think that uh, Daisy is a much more unlikable character than Cecilia, but they're both sort of like wealthy women in the, you know, early 20th century being cool and smoking cigarettes. Um, and Gatsby, like Robbie, is a soldier or was a soldier and also has a very kind of complex past. Um, and it's a book that, honestly, it's one of the first books that I ever read in school that made me say, holy crap, like, that was really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think a classic novel deserves another classic novel. So, The Great Gatsby. Aside from the anti-Semitism in The Great Gatsby. But we can, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah, it's just a fact. Yeah, we, we won't get into it. We won't get into it, but it should be acknowledged. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's really good. Um, I was going to say that Nightingale, uh, same time period, uh, except for Nightingale takes place in uh, France and um, is kind of more war focused, but it's also uh, kind of one of those stories that takes place like it's showing how the women have handled the war. Um, and so it's showing, like, one side where a woman is taking action and, like, helping people escape and helping people cross mountains and all this stuff. And then you have the other woman, um, who's staying at home and trying to save children and trying to, like, keep a house running and having all these German soldiers, like, invade her home and, um, like, just having all these soldiers, like, be like, cook me dinner and, <laughs> like, let me stay here. Um, oh my and, god. So it's it's telling like the other side of war, not just the yeah. fighting and not just the like war part of war, but like yeah. what was you know these women were going through traumatic experiences, and then these men are coming back for more, and them just being like, okay, let's you yeah know, act like everything's fine, and then the nineteen yeah. fifties happened, and then we all know what happened from there. But <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, not to spoil it, but it wasn't great. <laughs> not to spoil history, but. It, so, that was my very Classic. Cool. Excellent. Cool. I mean, this was one easy peasy. Knocked out of the park. Boom. We Next did it. Next month might be a little more complex, but <laughs> this one, I sign off. Sign off. Next month will also be a, uh, we watch and, we watch and read, so. We're doing a lot of watch and reads accidentally, so. Mm-hmm. Get ready, guys. Woo. Did you know I like movies? <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. That's at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. This episode is a JB Media production produced and edited by Jenna Weston.